Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. First, we have to take a pause because Edwards hears the siren song of the saloon. <laughs> Welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre, often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. What up, Jen? Not too much. What's going on? Let's pretend we're not doing these back to back and we haven't just recorded the dumpster fire that is Black Jake. <laughs> um, and we're jumping into an even bigger dumpster fire here. Yeah, this was bad. This was real, real bad. Like, when, no, literally nothing happens in this episode. When does this get better? I don't think it does. You know, Didn't somebody the, say it did? Or was it episode, or was it season nine? Somebody said there's Mr. Edwards and an ape or an orangutan. That's season or a nine. That's season nine. And that's been on my horizon for quite a while. <laughs> that's the next season. I need to get there and I need an explanation. That's what I need. So we're going to jump right into it, guys, because we're a little short on time. So let's just start, Jenny, with a description for Little House on the Prairie, Season 8, Episode 8, Chicago. Charles travels to Chicago to comfort a deeply grieving Mr. Edwards, whose son John Jr. has died in a tragic accident. But the grief soon gives way to rage when it becomes apparent that John's death was no accident. I I don't know what... I'm speechless at this episode because... There was so much you could have done here. I wanted to see Edwards go down a drunk spiral. Yes. I wanted to see, uh, I don't know, some talk of John Jr. Like, it was just weird. It was I really I wanted to weird. see Mary finding out. Yes. It was so that weird. Well, literally I nothing happened about seeing Mary. Literally nothing happened in this episode. They walked around town, talked to people. Think about it. What else yeah, happened? Yeah, I, I think what happened is um, NBC was building a set for some other show. And Michael Landon's like, oh, I want, I want in on that. Let me film yeah, there. Okay. Okay. And that's what happened. Great. Okay, Jen. We open on town gossip, Mrs. Foster bringing some mail over to Charles. It's from Mr. Edwards. And Charles is helping Nels with something. And he's like, Nels is like, oh, how's this boy doing? Charles is like, oh, he's doing great. He's going to graduate soon with that poetry degree. He'll be doing nothing. 
<laughs> so then Charles' whole face changes when he starts reading the letter and he starts to cry and he tells Nels his boy has been killed in an accident. Jesus. And Pa's like, bye, gotta run. <laughs> At the little house that night, Laura and, hey, everybody, I'm a fucking asshole, are nearby. <laughs> <laughs> They're sitting there. Like, they literally just wheel this fucker in to give him two seconds of FaceTime. Well, Why do we need him? There. This scene was so weird because I guess somebody died. And they have that look on their... I get it. Yeah, Like, the lighting was weird. Like, it just was so oddly filmed. Well, and it's Last Supper style. They're both sitting on the same side of the table. <laughs> so, they're all in shock. And Pa says, it seems like just yesterday, I used to take half pint and John Jr. fishing. Really? It's like, I don't remember it's like, that. It's, it's Last Supper style with the Caravaggio lighting. Like, Landon swinging for the fences here. I don't remember it that way. I remember John Jr. fucking over your other daughter. Yeah, okay. I don't remember them fishing. Charles is leaving for Chicago the next day. He's like, I gotta go. Isaiah wants me to come out there. Gotta do it. And he's like, I have so much work to do here. But Manly steps up and he's like, hey, everybody, I'll take your place. Whatever, dude, go home. (laughs) So Charles says, by the way, mom called me. She's like, I had no idea you hated Manly so oh, much. Oh, she was going off about that the other day. I had to listen to that for like an hour about how you hated Manly so much. And I'm like, Mom, I'm literally there. Like, you don't have to tell me this story. So Manly's like, I'll do it. I'll take care of it. Then Charles is like, oh, that boy. I really love that boy. Jenny, he's rewriting history. Yeah, I know. Totally. Because he was like a dirty loser poet to Mr. Edwards. Mr. Edwards was like, I don't know this boy. I don't know how to relate to him. I love Carl's Jr. I want to blow things up in the barn. Remember? He wanted to like like disown John Jr. for being a poet. Yeah. So, okay, whatever. Because Charles is like, oh, that boy was the whole world to Isaiah. Okay, whatever. No talk of, of Carl's Jr., of course not. I wanted I to see like, Carl's Jr. finding out. Are we ever going to see him again? Oh, uh, no. No. When he's staring at the sex workers on the balcony <laughs> and like us. blowing shit up in the barn. We need him back. Yeah. All right. So train leaves next day. Charles is on it. We see day turn into night. Finally, he arrives in Chicago. Jen, it's pouring rain. Were you triggered? Uh, <laughs> why would I be triggered? Because <laughs> you said every time you fly into JFK, it's raining. Yeah, I have an index card. Okay. They seem to, they make it seem like it's unusually rainy or like incredibly rainy in Chicago. And I'm like, I feel like that's not true. But I looked it up. It is true. Well, no, Chicago gets, so I found a great site called bestplaces.net. I know .net, I'm already judging them. I get it. But like, yeah. So I went down a rabbit hole, but let me tell you about Chicago first. Chicago, Illinois gets 38 inches of rain on average per year. And the U.S. average is? Take a guess. Mm, I don't know. 38. So it's average. Okay. I I had a similar feeling when I looked up Pennsylvania compared to Washington State. We get as many overcast days as they do. Yeah. Well, sunny days in Chicago... They get an at 189 per year on average. Uh-huh. The U.S. average is 205. Now you have places like the the West, like California, yeah. driving that up because that is not happening in the Northeast. There was um I gave I have a list for you, Am, because I know you like lists. 
I love lists. The highest rainfall, or the most recent large rainfalls in Chicago. So they get like, since like 2010, they've had like a dozen rainfalls, like over two inches, which is a lot. They had um, a 4.7 inches of rain. That's a lot. If that was snow, it would be like, what, four feet or 40 40 inches? inches. Yeah. That was in 2010 in July. Um, in August, they had a 4.5 in August 2014, but their largest was in 1996, July 17th. That was my 22nd birthday. Mm -hmm. 5.72 inches. Yeah. Okay. 5.27 inches of rain. So that's a lot. So it's like, it's not like they get a ton of extra rain, but they seem to get very large rainfall. Mm. So on the site. You type in a, a zip code and you get you get like information about an area and it gives it a rating, like a comfort index. It tells you the unemployment rate, the population, the median income, the median home price. And then there's like reviews and you get stars. So Chicago, Illinois got three stars out of five. Hmm. Okay. What do you think the median income medium median income is? For Chicago? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe two hundred thousand, not forty-seven thousand dollars. Oh wow! Okay. And the median home price is two hundred ninety-one thousand dollars. Oh wow! And I typed in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh boy! Four stars. One star. Four. Four. Me- okay. Median income thirty-seven thousand dollars. Okay. Median home price one hundred twenty-one thousand dollars. That's better. Brooklyn. What do you oh think boy. the median income is? How many stars? Five, of course. Okay. <laughs> median income. income is the median income is $120,000. $46,000. Really? That's the me- it? The median home price? A million dollars. $782,000. Something's wrong there. Something's wrong. <laughs> you see the problem, right? Yeah. Sunnyvale, California, which is a place I visit a lot. So this is in Silicon Valley. One star. <laughs> I love one it. One star. I love that I got one star. I love it. The median oh. income there is $100,000. The median home price, $1.8 million. How could what? Brooklyn have five stars? Because it's amazing. If, if their income disparity is that bad. I mean... It's amazing for a certain percent of people, I'm sure. Yeah, but the way that probably shakes out when you're talking about median is like there's there's an area of Brooklyn like along the water where like all the home prices are insane. So that's going to drive up the median, right? Right. Where like the majority of it is going to be less. Is it an expensive place to live? Yes. Is everybody paying $700,000? No. Okay. Are you done with your index yeah. card? Done. Okay. But that's so a base- cool site. Go like type some stuff in there and look at stuff. So basically, you just want us to know that Chicago is expensive, but not... No, Chicago's not oddly rain, like, not overly rainy, like they're trying to make it out to be. Oh, okay. So Edwards picks him up, and they hug, and Charles doesn't even know what to say. And Edwards gets them a hotel room just a few blocks away. Jenny, where is Edwards living at this point? I don't know. Out west somewhere? California, I think? Okay, he's not in Chicago, though. No, John Jr. was in Chicago. Okay. Edwards gets them a hotel room. 
It has two beds in it, because of course I was wondering that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they get there, and Edwards immediately starts drinking, and he offers Charles something, and Charles, and Edwards is like, it's been so long, I forgot, teetotaling. Remember, we talked about the teetotalers. Yep. So Edwards starts reciting the letter that informed him about the accident. John Jr. was killed in a street accident. And this letter is written by T. Callahan, the letter's author, who also looks a lot like the dad from Tommy Boy, whose name was also Callahan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So this is a man from the paper where John worked after school. I think he's the editor in chief, right? Yes. Edwards is like, we need to go see this T. Callahan in the morning, make arrangements to bring my boy's body home. He starts sobbing. Rain outside, heavy rain outside the window pane. You know. The next day, Charles and Edwards are walking the paper and almost get killed in the street. Yeah, he's just walking right out into the street, not Mm -hmm. even looking. Mm -hmm. They meet with Callahan, and he is this bigger-than-life Irish dude who's, like, bossing people around at the paper. Like, copy boy, fuck you. Secretary, bring me a coffee. Like, you know, just a typical... (laughs) Then he's like, let's go to the saloon at noon. <laughs> so they go over there. He orders three whiskeys. And Edwards is like, my, my lame old friend here doesn't drink. Doesn't partake. So, yeah. So Callahan gives Edwards two and he takes one. Bartender's like, you're a little bit early. You're an hour early today. <laughs> so Callahan says, Johnny was great. He was clean and hardworking and had good instincts. And He had good th- newspaper and instincts. <laughs> which feels to me like you're newspapering a window yes yeah. then he says something weird like that basically implied i have it summed up here like he was a poet so i couldn't really use his stuff but it was yeah, nice he's like, to read. He, he wrote beautiful things but like it wasn't news or it didn't mean anything <laughs> i think it's basically what he was saying that's exactly what he's saying so he's like but he was, you know, he was a hard worker. So in six months, he was probably going to have his own byline. And that's the thing you want when you're a newspaper. Okay. So we find out that the accident happened at night in the rain near a bar. Now I have a lot of questions around this, but let's just get through it. Apparently, John Jr. was in the street and was hit by the drunk driver of a horse and carriage. Jenny, question. No, no, no. Was No, they never said it was a drunk driver. Well, they imply it because he's a dude who drinks more than he delivers. I mean, the ho- if, as long as the horse isn't drunk. That's my question. The horse <laughs> wasn't drunk. Yeah. The horse is like, doesn't matter how drunk you are. Like, this is why, like, maybe we need to go back to horse and buggies. Like, like yes. the, the self-driving car is really the modern day horse and buggy, right? Where you're just putting somebody else in, in charge of not being drunk. And that's a robot versus a horse. But same mm. idea. I trust the horse more. Mm. So, Do you know? He says he was hit by a drunk driver. Like, basically, he said the guy was at the bar. It was in the bar district. And the guy is like... No, but the guy was a delivery guy for the... Right, but Edward says, sounds like he drinks more than he delivers. I don't know why they have that information. I don't know why they... How they would even have that information. The guy was working. He gives Edwards the name of the guy. That's a big mistake. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He also tells Edwards that Johnny was staying at a boarding house and gives Edwards what Johnny had on him at the time. Now, they leave the bar, and I don't know if you noticed this, 
but there was a gigantic cheese plate there. Oh no! At the bar, was two or cheese plates a thing then? Apparently, but it was very crude. Okay, so it looked like loaves of Italian bread just chopped up. Okay, and then there were bricks of cheese. Wow, amazing! So is that a cheese plate or is that just cheese and bread? I don't know. I'll take it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So at the morticians, we learn that the bill for Johnny's arrangements has been paid in full. And the mortician tells the guys, Callahan's like the nicest guy ever. Everybody loves him. And I'm immediately like, he totally murdered Johnny. Suspicious. Suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. So at Baxter's boarding house, she knows Edwards immediately because John Jr. talked about him so much. And Charles is like, I'm Charles. Charles. Charles, I'm Charles Ingalls. And he's like, she goes, oh, he spoke about you and Mary. And I just wrote, did he tell you how dirty he did Mary? Was that part of the conversation? He probably didn't tell you that. He probably didn't tell you that. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Baxter insists on making tea for the men, even though they want to get the fuck over to that bar to beat the shit out of this driver, which is clearly coming. Now we're in Johnny's room and Edwards breaks down over Johnny's typewriter. Been there, dude. Been there. Did you catch did you catch the weirdo drawing of Johnny on the mantle? Yeah, because don't don't boarding house operators always have pictures of their boarders? I aim, I don't know. In beautiful frames on their furniture? I don't know. That'd be like you're running a hostel or an Airbnb and you have pictures of your guests. Um, It's weird. Okay. Okay. So they head over to the bar. Like they're done. And the dude admits he did it. They're like, 
hey, this is the driver. Did you run over my boy? And dude's like, yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Well, I but he's over. like, I mean, I thought this was the only redeemable dialogue in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, I've I've been torn up about it. I don't sleep about it. Like, it mm-hmm. was an accident. Like, I'm not that person. Yeah, he's been, he was really upset. He even says, okay, so he says it was dark. It was rainy. He's like, I even carried him to Mercy Hospital myself. Yep. And if prayers could bring him back, he'd be here. And then and he Edward's, invites the murderer, invites him to dinner. Invites them yeah, to dinner. He invites him to dinner, Jen, to show him he's not the kind of man who runs down young folks. Yeah, okay. Okay. I told you about that time I was hitchhiking and the guy's like, I'll bring my daughter along so you know I'm not going to like nope. rape and murder you. No. Mm-hmm. So Charles and Edwards are, they're just full blown, this is an episode of Law and Order. Yeah, and, and but first we have to take a pause because Edwards hears the siren song of the saloon. Okay, I have. They're walking the path at night in the rain, recreating the scene. Just then, a saloon door opens and beckons <sighs> to Edwards. <laughs> Edwards is drawn like a moth to a flame I inside mean, that saloon. To be fair to Edwards, dude deserves to drink right now. Yeah. Have some fucking whiskey. But you have judging Charles Judging Charles. Constantly looking over you. We need an action figure that is just judging Judging Charles. (laughs) So, all right. He's in the saloon. And as he's in the saloon, Charles takes refuge from the rain in the little doorway of a pawn shop. Edwards comes out of the saloon, knows immediately to go to the pawn shop. We don't know how, but he just We don't know how. Mm -hmm. So they're in there and they spot John Jr.'s watch in the near in the sh- in the shop and Edwards flies into a rage. Goes bananas. He goes to Banana Town. He wakes <laughs> this dude up. He's like, "Who fucking sold this to you?" Dude pulls a shotgun on them. This was they a, don't care. This was a dumb conversation. It was real dumb. All right. So Callahan's so they go back to the they go to Callahan. They're like, "You got to help us here." So they go back to the pawn shop with Callahan and tell. And they find some books, and Jen, the books have been cooked. They're not reliable. You can't. No. No. But they see this name, B. Jones, over and over and over again. And the owner says, he's a black kid. It's all I know. And I just wrote, oh, fuck. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) Callahan's like, leave this to me. I know this town. I'll take care of it. I don't trust this dude. So the next day, Charles and Edwards find out Callahan's been beaten Jen, and he's in the hospital clinging <laughs> oh my to life. God. Good job. He did a great job getting out. Yeah, after good that. job, dude. He's unconscious when they get there, but they check his clothes and there's a note that has BJ's address, but it just says BJ and an address. And I wrote, oh my God, was he getting a BJ? Oh my God. <laughs> Maybe don't follow up on that. <laughs> Now they head over to the address and we have a throwaway scene here with B. Jones, grandmother. Well, there's like some racist stereotyping and then Charles lies. Charles lies? Yeah. He says we want to talk to him about a job. Oh, that's true. He does kind of lie. Well, I think you can make that fit. Liar. So BJ, she's like, BJ works so hard, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line, BJ is at some construction site, drumming construction. Dun, dun, dun. So Charles is like, all right, we're going there. So they find the site. They see BJ. This is so, it's even horrible to recap. Yeah. They see a black person and they like (laughs) assume it's him. (laughs) 
That must be him. Uh, white people. So bottom line, guys, I'm just going to summarize this because it's so bad. They find this BJ. It's a little kid. He's like an Albert. He's like six. Oh, he's six. Yes. He's like Albert. Yes. He's like, you know, a kid who's running around, like just owning the streets and fooling everyone. This is the Chicago version of Albert. Yes. So basically... BJ tells them, like, mm, John Jr. was dead in an alley. Oh, oh where... first of all, can we discuss that BJ starts to run from these men, which is the correct thing to do. And then yeah. they hunt him down and grab him. Like, they fucking kidnap yeah. him, basically. Yeah. Well, they he runs because Edwards looks at him and is like, hey, you! Oh, I know. And, like, this kid's doing all kinds of shady shit. So he's, like, yes. immediately, like, I gotta lock this down. So Charles threatens to tell his grandmother and BJ cracks immediately. And yep. he's like, look, I got all this shit off this dead kid in an alley. He's not afraid of the police, but he's afraid of his grandmother. <laughs> Accurate. So they drag this kid to Callahan and he recites the story to Callahan. Like he was in an alley. There's no way what that alley is too narrow for wagons. There's no way that somebody hit him. So Callahan injured barely conscious gets out of bed and he's gonna solve this shit gem but not until he propositions a young nurse right yeah gotta get that in there well and they're like he's like they killed him for the story he was writing that i knew it was suspicious when there was no notes on him because that boy was a demon for notes jenny you're a (laughs) demon for notes oh oh my god so they headed they head into the paper and, and callahan starts firing off orders and he also hires BJ. He's like, I'm going to make an honest man out of you. I'm going to hire you for five bucks a week. Yeah. Callahan says he realizes what's going on now. This involves Alderman Hendricks and a bidding of contracts with Drummond Construction. And he tells the guys, I gave Johnny an assignment. It was a simple human interest story about O'Brien Street. But he must have gotten on to something more. You think? <sighs> so the three men set out to uncover this corruption with low bid contracts and i just wrote this is real dumb well there was some kind of research montage (laughs) (laughs) so now they confront drummond in some shady alley there's literally a cat going like (laughs) on the side that's a little on the nose callahan and drummond are doing real thick irish accents and edward's like standing there growling and like it's ridiculous it's ridiculous Drummond is like, Callahan, I don't have to explain myself to you. Like, he's going to break out in some kind of leprechaun talk. So now, Jenny, they pull this sweet little kid forward and they make him identify this dude as the one he saw near John Jr.'s body. He's like some, like, crime boss and they're making this kid, like, point him out. Yeah. So the dude, the bad dude, starts to run off. Once they do, Charles and Isaiah take off after him, and Callahan looks at little BJ and goes, you did you did well, son, because he's like, I didn't see a ring, mister, and he's like, you did fine. I really think right. he's behind all this. I, I don't know. He was mm-hmm. just trying to, like... I don't know. So, basically... I don't know what his motivation would be, though. Like, what would be his motive? I have no idea, but I don't doubt that he's in on this grift. I mean, he's definitely the puppet master of everything. (laughs) So now the dude is running. He falls into an open ditch and breaks his neck. Breaks his neck. 
Yeah. Yeah. Random, random ending. Yep. At the train station the next day, later, I don't know. know. Edward Edward says goodbye to Gallahan, thanks him for his help. He hands Edwards the front page of the paper when John Jr. has the byline reporting the story of corruption. I just wrote, what the fuck did I just watch? This, nothing happened. It's over, guys. That's it. Like, like, one of the main characters died, and yet Landon still found a way to make nothing happen in this episode. Yeah, nothing happened. Nothing. Like, Edwards was more upset over his being unable to use his legs in that one scene. Yeah. That yep. one episode. Yep. Than he was over his kid dying. Where's this Grace? Was, Where's Grace? Grace? We don't even see Grace. Nope. Yep. No Carl's Jr., no Grace. At least talk about them. He does mention Grace at one point at the end. Mm-hmm. Jenny, what was Michael Landon's moral message here? Don't drink. Don't drink. Because there was an impl- it was implied that this all happened because of alcohol. Yeah, the and shipping stay of out alcohol, of those, the drinking of alcohol. And stay out of those big cities. Uh, yes, yeah. that too. Yep. yep. All right, Jenny. So, whose fault is this? This is. <laughs> hmm. I'm just blaming Michael Landon. Michael Landon's yeah. fault. I was gonna say it's it's T. Callahan's fault. For sending him on the story. But. Maybe. It could be John Jr.'s fault for being such a kiss ass. Yeah, true. <laughs> Stay in your room and write poetry. Stop trying to make it yeah. into a viable career. Yeah, stop it. <laughs> All right, it's John Jenny. Jr.'s fault for being a writer. <laughs> At the end of every episode, we look back on a theme or a lesson, something we take from the rewrite. We call it our why. It's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why. What is your why for this episode? This is why you have to make sure your house is in order before you go on a trip. This is like, this is my worst nightmare. Like when they're walking to his house and like they're looking at stuff like that. I'm just going to like die somewhere. And then like people are going to be walking through my house and looking at my stuff. Like this is my worst fucking nightmare. Literally. I'm going to open your house up to the public. Shall I outlive you? (laughs) And just have people walk around and touch things. But, like, I always think about that when I go on a trip. And it's funny because, like, that, you usually don't die on a trip, right? It's like he, he was walking down the street in his hometown. Yeah. Like, that's when that's when it happens. But, like, that, like, if someone wa- – I think I literally think about this. I'm like, if someone has to come in here and I'm dead, what are they going to see? What the fuck do you have in there? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are we going to find bodies? <laughs> no. All right. Jenny, I have, this is why we thought, hey, no big deal. Just take down the mob if they're bothering you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't do that. Ro- they roped this poor, innocent kid into, like, taking down the mob. Yeah, and, like, he probably didn't even understand the implications of that, being a small town boy. Right, like, you don't fuck with Chicago corrupt, yeah. drifting businessmen. Right. Jesus. Especially with construction workers. They have the means to get rid of you forever. Yeah. They have concrete. Jesus Christ. They have lots of like wet concrete around. Yes, they do. All right, Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? So I hope the next thing we watch has a plot. That would be great. That would be good. Are we doing For the Love of Nancy? Yep. 
So it's season eight, episode nine, For the Love of Nancy. A young, overweight boy named Elmer Miles is mercilessly teased at school. However, Nancy, of all people, goes easy on him because she actually seems to like him. Of course, she has plenty of ulterior motives up her sleeve once she gains Elmer's trust. I remember this one. Yeah, he's a fat kid. Get ready for the fat shaming. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go berserk in this episode. Yeah. Can't wait. Banana Town episode coming up. Banana Town. Woo woo woo. <laughs> Is that the sound effect for Banana Town? Yeah. All right, guys. If you haven't already, check out our Patreon. Uh, for five dollars a month, you have access to all our back episodes. We do two a month. One's a blockbuster. One's something else. And it helps support the show and keep the lights on and pay for all the shit we have to pay for. So we greatly appreciate it. Link is in the show notes. Um, also, check out our Facebook group, Meet Me Beast. We're pretty... We have we have a lot of fun in there. Like, uh, what do you? how do you eat your cottage cheese was quite yeah, that a was, That was a riveting threat. Yes. Yeah. Um, so thanks so much for listening and we'll see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.